Okay, uh, Daniel Icorn, he is uh, the PSEGLI president, COO, the chief uh, customer officer of PSEG Long Island, also uh, PSENG. And uh, nice enough to give us a couple of minutes. Tough morning for him, for all. And we welcome uh, Dan to the program. Haven't spoke to him in a long time. Good to have him back. Tough conditions, though. Sir, I thank you. And uh, morning, we appreciate Dan. a couple here. Thank you. Good morning. Appreciate you having me on. Great to have you. I mean, listen, I, I even said earlier, give you a lot of credit. Uh, we put it out there yesterday. Uh, a lot of people sometimes might not want to go to the forefront as far as, you know, coming to the to the uh, airwaves and, and whatnot. But I give you some credit there. All right, Dan, let's uh, I, I want to get into the numbers just to make sure we're accurate. They might have changed. We came on the air this morning. Uh, we're looking at about 108,000 uh, still without power. Is that somewhat accurate at this point in time? Yeah, Jay. So the uh, the number of customers we lost on Tuesday with the storm was 420,000. We have 300,000 back, and the numbers about 120,000 are still out right now. Wow, okay. That's, that's our, our latest numbers. 120,000, the latest uh, we're looking about 70%, a little bit more as far as uh, the original 440 or so that uh, who lost electricity. Uh, so I know you're working it hard and whatnot here. Now, from what we understand, a good portion uh, will be restored by today uh, with the, uh, the finishing touches, hopefully tomorrow, for those who are still without. Is that correct to say? That's what we uh, are forecasting, Jay. We're looking at having 85 to 90% of the customers that were out, that group of 420,000, complete during the day today and by midnight. Uh, we're going to continue to work around the clock till everybody's back. We think that um, tomorrow is going to be a lot of the jobs where there are small areas and single customers, and that is our, uh, our, plan, our work plan for right now. All right, to uh, your credit, and I said this, uh, you anticipated this storm. Uh, you put in 2,500 uh, extra people to uh, to work it. Uh, you had them ready and everything else. Is that accurate to say? You had prepared for those 2,500 to be in place uh, for this uh, for this osseosis. That is um, very accurate, Jay. We had, we had requested through our utility mutual aid process, we had requested 2,500 additional line personnel to help us with restoration. Uh, our, our forecast that we were planning to is 400,000 customers out. We lost about 420, so slightly higher, but we were right there in the ballpark. Um, many of those resources we requested were here on the property as the storm hit, and we were ready to begin restoration as soon as the winds died down and made it safe for us to go up in our bucket trucks. Um, we're continuing to uh, request more. So we requested 2,500. We have about 1,900 of them. Uh, a lot of neighboring utilities are struggling with the same issues. If people were to go on to other websites, you'll see um, a lot of outages throughout the New Jersey, Connecticut, New York area. So resources of our neighboring utilities are tough, but every day we're having uh, calls with those utilities if people are freed up. We'll still accept more people today because we want to have as much manpower. We want to do everything possible to get every customer back as quickly and safely as possible. I mean, it just came over the uh, the uh, 
news wires that uh, Queens Village, Middle Village, uh, is is having some tough problems. Con Edison on the scene there. So Dan, let me let's let's get right into the thick of it. I mean, what what went awry here? What what was the uh, was it more than one thing? Obviously the. You know, we hear about the phone lines and everything else, the 800 number uh, and Verizon. Uh, what exactly uh, took a wrong turn uh, during this storm? You guys prepare during the year. I know you cut down the limbs and everything else for the trees. It's tough sometimes. But give us a, give us an idea. Tell the audience of, of what did not go right, what went against uh, the grain here, as far as uh, as far as maybe making things somewhat somewhat on the line of getting it right, what what went awry here? Yeah, so Jay, we we totally understand the customer's frustration. Um, the upsetment with us is is valid. Um, our systems didn't perform the way we expected them to, and we put some systems in that on normal operations have really been good customer satisfiers and good options for people to interact with us. Um, the problem was, and, and, you know, we're still investigating most of the the um, things that we're looking at is figuring out how we make them better in the short term. And after that, we're definitely doing a, a after-storm lessons learned. Uh, there's a lot of other interest outside. But if I boil the problem down, really... Two, two problems. One was just this storm um, came in and the winds in a super short period of time. Uh, typically, if we had a hurricane brushing by the coast, for us to lose 420,000 customers, usually it would take 12 to 24 hours. Those 420,000 customers were, were lost in three to four hours. Um, our call volume on Tuesday and Wednesday uh, was equivalent to almost a half month's volume of calls. Um, so some of the lines that we are having coming in, right, reached their capacity. We've worked with our uh, service providers to increase that capacity. Uh, we know uh, yesterday's performance um, was probably at a, a 90% level. Uh, most of the time customers could get through, but we know customers couldn't always get through. We made some more changes last night. We think that's going to solve those problems and have our phone system with a better experience today. Um, our electronic stuff where people were trying to get into, um, that's, that's something we're still looking at. We're um, on the phone with our, our vendors who provide multiple systems. Um, we really think that was um, just technical issues, interface issues, latency um, with interacting with each customer. And on a normal day, dealing with a low volume um, don't create problems. But with the volume we were um, dealing with, um, some of the latency issues, some of the technical issues in the interfaces, um, it looks like all of our systems, which are all connected together, um, just started to really uh, get bogged down with some of the volume. And we're continuing to work on that. To, to make sure people can reach us by all the channels that we've created over the years and um, make a better experience. But we understand the frustration, and as I, I've mentioned many times, um, the frustration customers have reaching us has not prevented us from restoring customers. Dan Icon with us, COO, President of PSEG Long Island. So, Dan, I'm kind of going back a little bit here to last Saturday. 
Uh, it was a, a Category 1 forming, or had formed, and was on its way to hit uh, hit Florida. Broke up, broke up. And then, uh, you know, and there's so many models when you look at storms right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, all the experts said, okay, so it broke up. Florida dodged that bullet, that proverbial bullet. Now it's going to head the coast, so be careful. So when it hit the Carolinas, um, you know, she broke up. Now, remember now, she broke up from a Cat 1 into kind of a trap storm, and then the refueling process began for Assisis, and it hugged the Carolina coast. It gained strength, and it got into Cat 1 status again, and here we go. It went up that coast very, very fast. At that point... Last weekend, um, what was your mindset? The po- the probability, yes, it was coming northeast. It was going to hit the area, and it has gained a lot of momentum in the fact that it reformed Cat One in the Carolinas. Didn't, didn't uh, hit as a Cat One. We know it hit as a Trump storm. But what was your thinking there? Was there something in your mind that said, "Uh oh, uh, you know what? It's it's gaining speed. It's gaining momentum. Let me." Make sure you got contingencies in place. Just curious as far as the mindset what you were thinking as far as Sunday, Monday going into this week. Yeah, Jay, we um we closely monitor the forecast. Uh we get detailed forecast three times a day. Um our initial plan as as we were in the weekend, we we started planning for this storm Thursday night. Um many of our, our management people worked uh sixteen hours a day through the weekend. Getting prepped, making sure materials in stock, getting vehicles lined up, doing the uh, the mutual aid calls that I mentioned um, on the weekend. Our, our initial request was 1,500 out-of-state resources. As we saw the forecast starting to worsen, and you know, we got more concerned over the peak winds, we update, updated that and requested another thousand. Um, the problem: what happens right in our industry? That hurricane was coming up the entire East Coast. Most utilities were not releasing people, right? They're holding to wait to see what type of damage happens in their area. Um, so our, our total request of 2,500 people uh, ultimately got filled with about 1,600 first. And every day this week, we keep getting, you know, another 100 to 150 people. So our count now of outside resources is 1,900. But it's it's really just a uh, a strain. We've we went as far as the Great Lakes and the Midwest and Canada to bring in people um, just to help us with the restoration. Tough deal. Yeah. I think one of the yeah. one of the toughest things, uh, Dan. One of the toughest things when I read. I mean, to me, it's kind of a conglomeration of things. But one of them is the the one of the things that concerned me uh, was the outage map. Um, for some reason. The outage map of PSEG Long Island uh, didn't reflect the actual outages. And I guess it left a lot of residents wondering uh, if the utility was even aware of their particular outage. If you can address that for a second. The outage map was very concerning to many there. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's one of the systems that's all tied into that loop that I mentioned, Jay. So our outage map. Our, our outage management system, our phone system, um, the texting, the outage, that's all tied in. Um, our outage map does include everything that's current. And with the 1,900 people we have from out of state, 
there's a little bit of delay. Um, our rest, our focus is really restoration, right? We're we're two pronged focus, but we know one of the most important things is to get our customers back. While we're improving our communications channel and firming up people's estimated time of restoration, so a lot of focus on getting our crews out, making sure we're working on the jobs to get people's power back. Um, but those 1,900 crews. Uh, they all have their own utility systems. There's a little bit of delay in us getting the outage maps updated. And you look at a day like today, there could be um, outages that will hit the outage map that had nothing to do with the storm. Um, so the uh, the outage map is, is a great tool. Um, we, we always direct people to it in a normal day, uh, but we recognize right now with the volume of work, uh, the delay in updating it, um, new work coming into it, it's um, it's directional, but it's not the best tool for our customers. And I, and I think even even more outrage, uh, Dan, was the fact that the failure actually occurred, talking about the outage stuff, because it really, just just to kind of give the audience an idea, it really kind of helps people understand as far as the areas are concerned, even for that matter, the blocked roads in need of PSEG support. And I think the overall frustration is that the failure occurred from, from what we hear and everything else, what we read and research, less than two hours after the start of the storm. How do you explain that after just two hours, Dan? Is that accurate to say that people couldn't understand what was going on here? It was almost as if, you know, there was, uh, it was almost as if you had an information blackout here. And when that happens, you get panic. And that's what came into play here. What about the aspect of the timing of this thing as as far as when the storm actually started in that two-hour window there? Yeah, I, Jay, the, the, it's back to what I said earlier, right, is uh, 420,000 customers lost power in an extremely short period of time. And the uh, number of people who were trying to reach us, uh, the volume coming into our systems, really, um, yeah, that's what we got to look at. Why did that happen? And... Um, yeah, we know there was a lot of issues going on and, and latencies and a lot of infrastructure right on the island was was impacted. So, um, you know, phone use, internet use, um, coupled with with our system issues, um, that's just tough that we're we're trying to understand and get a grasp on. Um, we do test our systems. Uh, we drill for the storms. We think we made some real good strategic decisions with. Uh, making early decisions over the weekend to request those crews. If we didn't do that, we'd be at the bottom of the list, and we'd be waiting for every other utility to clean up before we really started to make a major dent in our restoration. So there's some real good things that we think we did right, but there's there's no doubt. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to defend the experience customers have had. It's unacceptable. We're going to figure out exactly what happened. We're going to fix it, and, you know, we're, we're going to – and make those systems better, systems that our, our customers deserve. The other thing that bothered me, besides the overall phone line uh, debacle, the communication aspect with the substations, because the substations are really, uh, they, they really are the, the center of it all as far as power is concerned. You, you go back seven and a half years to Sandy, almost eight years, you know, they, they had a flooding disaster, we know. Um, but it was kind of unlike with this particular storm, uh, and, and the substations failed. And I think a lot of people will say, you know what, 
did we not learn anything from year 2012 as far as Superstorm Sandy? How do you address the failure of the substations uh, for a second here? Yeah, it's really, uh, you know, Superstorm Sandy. The reason why a lot of the substations failed was from flooding. Uh, this event, right, our, our rain was surprisingly low, right? We didn't get, we were forecasted to get an inch and a half to three inches of rain, and most of our areas didn't see anything near that. Um, the, the wind damage in this storm is what what really caused um, a lot of our problems. And uh, the transmission lines that were feeding the substations are what went down. So in Sandy, it was more flooding. And all the substations that were flooded in Sandy, we have raised. Um, we have hardened a lot of our system. Um, we know um, from our data that the, the systems we've hardened um, stand up to weather uh, about 45% better than systems that haven't. So I, I know it's one of those things, right, that um, it, it appears that we had a lot of damage. When I think about um, what that damage would have been if all the work over the last six years, we didn't harden the systems. Uh, we did a lot of tree trimming. Uh, but, you know, you can tree trim, but if a tree comes over that's 20, 30 feet into the customer's property, um, that's something that's that's really difficult to avoid. So we learned a lot of lessons in Sandy. Uh, we've implemented them. Substations are, are raised. The system's much more hardened. We continue to do more hardening. Uh, we've stayed up on abreast of our pole inspection program. We replace about 5,000 old worn poles every year. So I really think that, and, and it's tough. Like I said, I know it's a uh, what could have happened would have been um, much worse if all that work wasn't being done. Dan, I'll put it to, I'll put it out to you straight. You mentioned the power lines and everything else. You know, isn't it about time maybe that all power lines get buried? You know, it's almost like you have old school technology that has gone by the wayside. These storms are becoming fast and furious now. Uh, listen, it's no secret. PSEG has spent millions of dollars. You've done a good job. I've seen it. Tree trimming, branches, the whole thing, communications, municipal portals, what we talked about, the adage maps and everything else, uh, other preparations in the event of a big-time storm. A lot of people will say, great, the investment, what do we have to show for it? It didn't bear fruit here. But when you go back in time, and I take the town of Brookhaven and everything else, you know, they instituted a policy requiring new subdivisions to have all of the utility lines buried, and that's really kind of to better prepare uh, homes to weather significant-type storms as as what we just saw days ago. I mean, isn't it about time where the utilities now will abandon that old-school technology of, of the power lines on the poles and, and make the investment of dollars the right way and at least begin the process of moving all lines underground? I think... Personally, I think that really should be looked into in a very big way. What's your feeling on that? Jay, um, we get that question a lot. And anytime we do something new, um, any any new development with more than um, about three to five homes is all undergrounded, that development. Uh, but the question you're, you're really asking is more about you know, our main lines, the, all the feeders. Um, we've looked at that at a high level. Uh, what we really try to do is look at utility best practices 
and make sure that there's a balance. Um, we could start burying every customer's line. I'm not sure when customers realized how much that would cost if they would feel the same way. Um, those costs are significantly more expensive um, to bury the lines than it is to run overhead. And when we look at best practices in the utility industry, right, the, the tree trimming, the inspection, the hardening is what our, our peer companies that are doing that have great reliability. And we, we've got great reliability on Long Island. Um, when you rank ourselves in the nation, our reliability is in the top 25%. Um, this storm was, you know, 70 mile an hour winds. We've heard reports of winds up to 100 miles an hour. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a balance that we try to do. Uh, we know price is always important to customers, and we we balance that with utility best practices and what we think our customers would be willing and able to pay for. Right? Our our utility is a cooperative. There's no profit built into LIPA, so. Whatever it costs to run the utility um, comes right from the customers. If, if we go through a program like that, all those costs are going to come right from the customers as well. And, you know, we, we try to make sure there's a balance. Now listen, I, underst- I understand that, but I'm, I'm just saying I, I think residents, you know, if they, if they have to weigh, you know, the extra cost involved and the burying of a line to uh, alleviate uh, some of the hardships that they're going through right now, I think they're gonna they're gonna go by way of let's you know what let's let's bury the line. I mean, we have to bury the line. We can't have this anymore. I mean, I think I think uh, town officials, I think they're gonna push for it. I think you know if if you're gonna have a vote, if you're gonna have some sort of a you know a public hearing of some sort, I think the word will come out that you know what we can't go through this anymore. Uh, we got to bury these lines. I mean, this is 19th century stuff where we have the lines on those wooden poles already. I mean, at, at what point do we make the change? And a lot of people point out, you know, all the controversies from years past, aesthetics, Hamptons, Eastport, the whole thing. You know what? Let's just bury them all. I think, I think Dan Icorn, public opinion will come by way of saying, you know what? we got to bury these lines. And, and Jay, if, if that's the case, right, we're, we'd be willing to do it, right? We're extremely customer-focused utility, and if that's what customers want and they understand the cost, we would be more than happy to do it. Something I think uh, will have to be looked at. Finally, I'll ask you this. Uh, you know, you're going to have you have all kinds of reviews. You got, you're getting it from all sides. You're getting it from LIPA, Tom Falcone, Governor Cuomo. You know Governor Cuomo on this. You know, with National Grid a couple of years ago and everything else, he is on these utilities. Uh, you, you're getting it from the, the county executives. You're getting it from every every which uh, every which direction here. I mean, ha- how are you handling it? I, I, listen, you're on our program today. We appreciate it. I'm sure it's going to be a very methodical approach. You got to be forthright and everything else. I, I get it. But what is going through your mind on a day like today in which? The world is wondering what happened, why failure occurred here. Uh, we need answers. What are you feeling right now? So our main, fo- <clears throat> our main focus, Jay, is really getting the customers back. Um, we, we, you know, we hear everything that you just said. We know it's it's out there. Uh, we want to get our customers back. We're focusing at the job at hand. Once we get our customers back, we're going to do our own look at what happened and we will cooperate with all those agencies and government officials that you talked about.
about it, man. Focus right now is keep our people safe, focus on the restoration, and get customers back as quickly and safely as possible. Dan, I, I thank you very much uh, for, for coming to the airwaves today. I know it's not easy, but uh, I certainly appreciate uh, you coming out here uh, and basically telling the folks of Long Island exactly what's going on. You know, a lot of people might not uh, might not go that route, but I give you a lot of credit, so I appreciate a couple. And please, uh, keep us in the loop, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on soon, maybe with some better news. Thank you, Jay, and appreciate it, and just know, we're working 24 hours until everybody's back. Our employees are doing a fantastic job. They care about our customers. They want customers back just as much as the customers want to go back. And uh, 24-7 until the last customer's back. We hear you. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jay.